Thank you for coming here today. It's me, Linda Sage, on Learning From Life. One thing I can promise you, there'll be people to meet over the airways here you'll never forget. Some, as long as you live. Let's just say, most have had what could be termed as an interesting life. It's not what happens, it's how you deal with it. And one line from any of them could change the way you deal with things forever. They'll be landing from all parts of the planet, all ages, backgrounds and experiences. Telling the truth of how it was and how they manage things may just help you miss a rock or two along your road too. Hi and a very warm welcome. We are back again. I'm Linda Stage and this is Learning From Life. And yes, I have got another amazing guest. There's so many wonderful people out there, but today we've got a real live action man won't believe what he's been up to. So Colin Smart is my guest and he is uh, with the TSG Associates and their culture and principles are based on prioritising survival and minimising suffering in challenging situations. Their commitment has been formed through experience in the field and understanding the needs of medics, first responders and healthcare managers. Wow, Colin, real live action man. <laughs> well, I, I'm I'm not sure I've ever been called an action man before, but I'll, I'll, I'm going to take that as a compliment. So, so thank you very much. <laughs> so, Colin, for people that don't know you, let's have a little bit about uh, who you are personally and professionally. Okay, th- thank you very much. And uh, Linda, just just obviously express my thank you for for inviting me on. It's a it's a, it's a real privilege to do this. So 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 thank you very much. Uh, so so who I am and uh, it's a, it's a story. Um, I suppose to to get a feel for where I started, it's probably I think it's quite useful to just look a little bit sort of um, b- before my occupational life because uh, I think those early years um, sort of shape you quite a lot in your, in your outlook to life. But it was we, we, we had an interesting upbringing. Bringing, when it was a bump, uh, <laughs> my my biological dad decided to leave my mum and my brother, who was disabled at the time. So that was sort of the 1970s, you know, there wasn't really a social security system in place. So we were left very much uh, sort of defend, you know, I'd say defend for ourselves, but, you know, we were left in quite a vulnerable position. And, uh, you know, I had a very, very strong mum that brought me and my brother up, but we lived in a very sort of, you know, in a in a sort of, again, not a problem, just a very sort of solid Scottish council estate, very working class upbringing, but also a huge amount of values that hard work paid off, um, there was there was a lot of structure put in my life by my mum, so it wasn't it wasn't a silver spoon bringing up, but it was a very solid one, mm-hmm. um, and I think that that has had a, had a lot to sort of if you look back about where where's your influences, you look at that stability when we were probably incredibly vulnerable. I think that's that's quite important. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that that was uh, that was my <laughs> that was my early years, perfectly happy, but I, you know certainly I think we were financially probably quite poor but you know we all got through and I think we all came out pretty good the other side of it which which was which was good mm-hmm. uh, sorry sorry Linda right just to remember everybody we're virtual we're not back in the studio so uh, if we clash a little bit there is a bit of delay because uh, I'm in Leeds and Colin where are you I'm not very too far from you I'm in Halifax so probably about mm-hmm. 20 miles from you 
So we bounce, we might bounce about a little bit, but uh, that's part of the fun of still being virtual. I was going to say you've got a lovely Scottish accent. So whereabouts in Scotland was that from? Yeah, I grew up in a, a town called Grangemouth, which is uh, it's, I wouldn't say it's the most scenic place in the world when it comes to Scotland. It's got the biggest oil refinery in the country, and it's lodged in between um, in between Glasgow and Edinburgh. Uh, but you know, from a place to grow up, it was it was a lot of fun. You know, it, we you know it, it was a perfectly cool place to grow up but as I say probably not the most scenic place in the world <laughs> and so school life uh, sort of you went through those years what happened then uh, got through school life uh, I was pretty average at school um, I always worked hard at school but I just was never that good um, I was sort of very middling to, to to probably not so good at school but not not through want of trying I just academically wasn't wasn't that gifted um, so <laughs> it was quite funny actually. I decided at 14 that, that I wanted to join the army and um, I wandered down the army careers office at 14 and they said to me, well come back a year later, you're just a bit young yet. So a year later I uh, wandered back down again and said, can I join the army? And they said, okay, do these lots of tests. Um, so at 15, about 15 and a half, I, w I got accepted to join the army. And it was quite funny actually. Um, it's, it's funny how life certain small events in life can change the complete direction of where you go because mm. uh, at school but the the one thing i really enjoyed um and i was quite good at was woodwork so i thought well i want to join the army let's go and see if i can become become a joiner or a carpenter in the army in the royal engineers and i got mm -hmm. accepted to do that but fast forward about three weeks after i was accepted um i was in the boys brigade as i grew up which was a again quite a big influencer in my life but we had a fantastically enthusiastic uh, one of the early paramedics from Scottish Ambulance Service teaching us first aid and he started teaching us all these these ins and outs of how you could really improve care and how and he got us into first aid competitions and I basically just fell in love with it um, and so I scurried back down the, the uh, army careers office and said would you mind if I become a medic instead? And they went, nope, you can be a medic if you want. So, and that's how, <laughs> that's how my life from being a joiner to a medic uh, came, became. And obviously that, that, part, that, that decision in life and that ex little experience in life uh, completely changed the, the whole pathway of my, of my occupational life. So yeah, quite, quite a good little story in that one, but yeah. <laughs> and, and it quite f uh, fits really with the structure as well. You said that your mum gave you very, very good structure at home. And so then you go and join uh, another very structured organization. Yeah. And, and the army hugely is. Um, and, and I think for someone like myself, who, you know, who didn't have any, you know, from what I could see, any unique gifts. I, you know, wasn't academically brilliant. You know, I was a reasonably good sportsman, but I didn't excel at anything. It gave you a huge level of stability. Um, and it gave you a team around you that, that and, and something I've taken all my life. It gave you a team around you that you could rely on and who'd go through, go through thick and thin with you. Um, and, you know, I think for a 16-year-old, with the outlook I had in life at the time, you, you know, not, I was never going to go down the university stream in life. I wasn't, I wasn't really interested in just doing a, a job and there's nothing wrong with that, but it just wasn't for me. This, this gave me, you know, a, a way to have a look at what could be available in life. But again, you're right, it's very structured, very stable, um, but very, very good at pushing you hard as well and trying to find out what you've got and pulling out of you. 
Um, so yeah, I, 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 just another good level of stability in my life at a very young age as well. Mm-hmm. I, again, I look back and you think joining up at being accepted at 15 and a half and joining at 16, it seems so young. But, you know, at the time, it just, I wasn't phased with it at all. It was just, you know, people are just wired different ways. And um, it just seemed a very, very natural thing for me to do, to get on a train, head to Aldershot and join the army. So yeah, that was, <laughs> that's what happened there. Yeah. yeah. And and uh, how did it actually make you feel when you were going through? Because your basic training is quite hard, isn't it? The first few weeks. Yeah, it is. Um, and, you know, I came, it, it was in, interesting because if you look at my sort of childhood, um, it was, you, you sort of stayed around your own town. If you look, I think you look maybe more at, uh, I'll look at my children do. They've been to multiple countries with multiple experiences. I think the furthest I'd been was uh, Glasgow. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, in those days we didn't have a car, we didn't travel, life was smaller. Um, so just the, the nature of, you know, going below London to Aldershot to your training centre and and it's really funny your first day when you turn up at the train station you you're picked up by a land rover um and i I had that feeling maybe the first day it would be fairly calm and you you could get your feet it wasn't you were in it and (laughs) off it went (laughs) and and six weeks later after your first you know the what we call the first first sort of six weeks of sort of beat up week where you really put through it your feet don't touch the ground but I think you quickly know if it's for you or if it's not, um, mm-hmm. and and that and, and I think what I've realised in life that doesn't mean to say that's a good or a bad thing. I just it it tells you are you wired to to do this or are you not, mm-hmm. and if you're not, that's fine and recognise that soon and 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 don't go through the pain it will put you through, but if it's what you you want to do and you sort of wired that way that you can get it and you understand it, um, that's what that first week tells you. Are you suited to it? Or is it something it's not quite for you? Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's tough. I mean, it's physically tough. Um, there, there's a level of discipline, but the, the it's. I think if if you're okay with it and just get your head down and and go go with the system, it's it's not ridiculous. Um, and you, you just you kind of you just roll with it, and you, you've also got an amazing bunch of friends who are going through basic training with you, who's who's running that same experience. You know, there's a good sense of humour developed. There's, there's a, I've got people today that I'm still best friends with that I went through basic training with. And if you've seen them tomorrow, even though if you hadn't seen them for 30 years, they would still be your best friends. Yeah. And it's, that is something I've never fully been able to replicate in civilian life because I don't ever think you get that level of closeness that, that you, you do with, with something like military service. I'm sure it does exist. I've just ne- never been able to replicate it in, in the areas I work. So how was the medic training? Um, I mean, from the off, I loved it. Um, And it's probably something I'll talk about later on. You know, if you really, if you're looking to progress professional life, um, I would say the first thing you do is you find something you enjoy or you're passionate about. You don't have to have both, but something that is actually, because you're good at things you enjoy and you're good at things you're passionate about. Uh, So I I, I instantly enjoyed it. you know, I was never academically great, but I was fascinated about really how how the the body works. And if you understand how the body works, you can understand how to fix it better within the scenarios. But at the same time, being a being a combat medic, you, you know, it, 
it's sort of brought in all the the enjoyment I got from being outdoors as well because I, I love the outdoors so I got that fix of really enjoying the the understanding of caring for someone but also doing it within a within within an outdoor often adverse environment which, which I enjoy as well so f for me it was wonderful um, but if you were to get the again I think there's various points in life that change your outlook and um, I was very lucky enough to go on a go on an attachment with one of the the most specialized units in the British Army one of the most sort of elite services mm -hmm. and um, there th was a small group of medics attached to this unit and they, they just showed me what medicine in ultra remote areas was all about they were just so far ahead of the curve and how they approached it and their mindset uh, at that point that that i just fell in love with it because i was now working in ultra remote locations and having to do quite high-end medicine uh, for, for the training that i had mm -hmm. but i could see how other people approached it at an incredibly professional high-end level and and that's when i got the spark that i said and, but it's also when I got the spark that when I seen what high achievers could do and, I, and the other thing I got from that point was, was understanding if you're around positive people, they, they just move you forward so quickly. You know, there's something about walking into certain teams that you can almost feel the energy. Mm -hmm. um, and at that point in life, I, I probably came across the first team that it was high energy, high, very high professionalism. Uh, and, and a drive to to question the norm but always get try to get better and I think what I got there was that infections infectionists I've always wanted being around the the best people I could because those are the people that give you the energy and those are the people that drive you forward and again I'll probably come back to this later if you were to choose you know once you found something you enjoy do it in a group of people that are high energy and and productive and eager to improve because that only drives you forward and also makes it incredibly enjoyable you know it's infectious enthusiasm isn't it so so yeah yeah the, it's uh, amazing the different areas that you've come to there from the actual physical learning to the um, mindset and obviously so people of a certain age must relate to and I'm, I've got to ask the question so is it was it really like mash being out there in tents and <laughs> well, all these, these situations I, I was a bit further forward than that so uh, <laughs> yeah. I was in a, a tent would have been luxury for me I was a hole on the ground in a trench most of the time wow. um, but to be honest, that's where I wanted to be, you know. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I, I love, there's, I think there's something quite challenging when you're very close to nature, whether that's in a civilian environment on an expedition or you're in a very tough military environment. It, being able to function um, in adverse environmental areas is actually, I think, wonderful because you look at nature um, and you don't take it as an adversary. adversary. You, you try to understand it and work with nature. And if you work with it, you can be very, very effective. And I always find that a wonderful challenge to, to go to difficult places, but actually to perform quite well. Um, so I, I actually quite like putting myself in uncomfortable places and, and being quite comfortable. So a tent would have been nice, but we never yeah. usually had one. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you actually find it a challenge to come back to 
what we call sort of normality, you know, for being in those sort of environments and being able to function well, to come back and have to sort of conform to a, a different way of life. Was that hard? I, to be honest, I didn't find it that hard. Um, and I think that's because maybe I, maybe I only did nine years. And you find this, I well, I found it with quite a lot of people I went through the military with. When you get to about... 23 24 25 um it's that's the decision you go for your full career or you get out mm -hmm. and i think i made the decision fairly soon that i didn't yeah i'd been asked a couple of times if i wanted to go for my commission and become an officer i didn't really want to do that mm -hmm. because my love was doing medicine doing you know field medic in in in, in at, the, at this, what I'd call the pointy end. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to go into more administration roles. And as you get past that, you tend to get promoted and you go, you know, you get closer and closer to a desk and that's not really something I wanted. Mm -hmm. So I had always probably had in the back of my head that I was going to do what I'd call the fun stuff, you know, actually do my job for as long as possible on the ground, the bit that I loved. But I always had in my head that I was getting out. So mm -hmm. I always had another eye in, on what I was hoping to do next so I was probably always had one foot slightly out the institution trying to still understand civilian life and not becoming too too regimented within the military which can happen especially people who I think maybe run full careers might struggle a little bit but personally I didn't have too much of a problem the, the only thing I've never been able to replicate and as, as I talked about it before is you do miss the camaraderie um, and you can't really replicate that because mm -hmm. there's very few places in civilian life puts you under maybe the pressure or the danger that the military sometimes does um and and that that has a certain type of bonding that i've never been able to replicate so i missed that bit but i don't think i have ever had I, th I think i looked back and said right i had a really good time i did all the good stuff but it's time to move on so i never never really struggled with it too much so by the sort of your mid-20s you're on to your second career <laughs> yeah and, <laughs> and although I said I was looking forward to another career I wasn't sure what I was going to do um I knew I had I had I actually had some business I or I wouldn't say I had business ideas in my head I had some ideas in my head about things that I believed in the industry that I in the in the, sort of the medical sphere sphere I was working in weren't that good some of the equipment I just didn't think was working as good and I thought well, no maybe I can make that better but I didn't know how to do that um so i was it, it worked out quite well um you know so i had my my medic my, my field medic qualifications and those qualifications allowed me to work uh, in the offshore oil industry mm -hmm. um so i did my offshore medics course um and that's quite good actually because um i ended up with quite a good contract working for bp on on the 40s field out in the north sea we're about 150 miles uh, east of aberdeen but it's really good because I was working uh, two weeks on and three weeks off. So, you know, that gave me this stability of having a job, still doing what I wanted to do. But suddenly, uh, you know, in life, I was still fairly young, had a reasonable level of money that would pay me quite well and I had time as well. Those, those wonderful things you never get together. Yes. Um, so, so that gave me the space. I knew I wasn't going to stay around the, the oil industry a long time. But that just gave me the space to take a breath, take stock of where I was going um, and then s start to, you know, start working my head how to do things. And that was probably the the space that I needed to get my first business ideas moving. 
um, and, and, and have a little bit of my own money that I could start investing into it and basically just start putting a few simple things together to see if people like them or not. No great business planning. It was just, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And people seemed to like it, you know, that little seed grew into a little bit more and, and, and things started to appear. But yeah, worked for about four years in the oil industry, full time. Um, and I worked about another three years part time when I was going through university because that, that's what funded me through my, my university course. I used to mm -hmm. go out and do a relief job at Christmas, Easter and summer. So I never got any holidays, but I didn't, didn't have any debt to get through university. Yeah. And that's quite an achievement nowadays as well. Yes, yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So going on from there, how did uh, TSG Associates come together? Um, it's, it's quite, I suppose, a long and diverse story. Um, the first, the first thought um, of a business was probably when I sat in a jungle one day. Um, I used to spend quite a lot of time in jungles. We used to go and do jungle camps for about six weeks at a time, and we we would literally fly out for about an hour and a half in helicopters, throw a few ropes out, jump down. And that would be us for six weeks. Um, so when you sat in a jungle, um, when it's nighttime in the jungle, and, and they're just want I mean, they're, they are the most amazing place in the world to be around. And I've, I've got so much affection for when you look at the ecology of what happens in these places. But when you're in a jungle at night, it's, it's like no darkness you've ever seen before, if you, if you ever see darkness. But it's complete darkness. And what can sometimes happen is the tree canopy can die halfway up. And, you know, if you think of the size of tropical trees, what hap can sometimes happen is that tree will, will fall down. So you get about a ton of wood falling down and it can often fall down where people are camped below it. So I was sat thinking in the, ju in the jungle one day, if this what we call deadfall ha event happened and it fell down on a bivouacked area, how would I solve it if I had multiple casualties? And I thought we could probably muddle through with what we got, but we needed to do it better next time I came in. Thankfully, it never happened. Um, but the first thought from a how did TSG start was thinking, well, I need to go away and find something that works better on the ground. I couldn't find something that worked better, so I went and made something that would work better for me, which was a little triage tag system, mm -hmm. which, which helps you prioritize patients. So, so that's, that's how the first spark happened. Um, I took that idea, I kept it in my head, read around the subject a bit, started putting very simple things together. Um, and then when I was working offshore, I had a little bit of time on the platforms because, you know, you, you're there 24 hours a day, you have time. Um, and I had time when I was off just to, I suppose, learn a bit more about business. But I think like any entrepreneur, you, you'd go to and you talk to a printer. How do, how do you make this in numbers for me? Uh, you would talk to, you find out exactly what do you need in a business? I better talk to an accountant, better talk to a lawyer. So it was from an initial idea and then having a little bit of space and time and a little bit of money to start exploring how I put the structure on it. And at that time, I also had two colleagues who were working, who I'd say working, but volunteering part-time for me. They come board as well and they became partners in the business. And really from there, it was just a case of little by little, just expanding the business bit by bit. We started in the UK with the triage systems. They, they went pretty well. Um, then we, we started um, a bit more international. And at this, all this time, we're, we're working out of people's lofts or people's bedrooms. Uh, we're doing it on a shoestring, but bit by bit, the business is growing. Um, and, and then we 
you know, from there, we developed a few more products together. Um, <laughs> there's a whole story in how we took America on, which I can, I can cover if you want. <laughs> um, but we, we've, you know, it was really incrementally, we've always organically grown the business. Uh, we've never taken on any significant external finance. Uh, you could argue that's a good or a bad thing. And, and, and there's various, you know, there's various views on if that's right or wrong. We, we, we did it from a very organic way. Um, and yeah, we, it was just a very, I think, logical, you know, incremental growth of both products and territories to, to get us to where, where we are today. I mean, your area is really specialised. I mean, when you look at your industry se- uh, sectors that you look at, the uh, ambulance, hospital, or industry, military, non- non-government organisations and the police, that these are all sort of areas that most people don't have a lot of uh, insight into. So ha- how did you actually get the doors open to go into these sectors? Yeah, I think because I'd done the job at, at quite a high level in the military um, by... When 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 I when I used to introduce myself and the company, I you know I had a bit of credibility behind me to start with. Mm-hmm. Um, I also knew a couple of people in in key decision making areas, who who we had sort of good mutual respect for. So th- those were my initial points of contact that mm-hmm. I could say, look, you know who I am, you know my background. What do you think of this? And it, so it was it was just doors opening very, very slightly. And and I think as anybody will tell you in sales, what's the best way to get the next sale? They would recommend me on, recommend me on to somebody else. Yes. Um, and, you know, like another great saying, you're only as good as your, your last job. We would try and do the, the best job possible for a first customer. And then suddenly somebody else would talk about us. So I think how we got into those areas, you know, some initial contacts, um from from working with those people and or people knowing my own background but then making sure we had exemplary service to those people and certainly at the early stage it was nearly all they would recommend us on to another one or two people and and that gave us the incremental growth we needed just just to get started so what does the future hold you've you've had several careers already and obviously you're developing um uh, TSG as well. So, what's coming next? Oh, what next? Um, I haven't got TSG where I wanted to yet. Um, we're at a certain level where we've got a very, we've got an astonishing team behind us. Um, really highly skilled, dedicated, decent human beings working for us. We've got a really good company. We're not. I, I think we need to still probably double our turnover to get the company to where I want. Um, and that that's really interesting uh, and really probably been fast forwarded with, with COVID and how we're going to do that. I, I think the whole world of uh, virtual media and, and what we're doing now has just come to the fore in the last year. Um, we, we, had, um, we had probably recognized pre-COVID that we just direct selling to, to key customers around the world would only take us so far. And we were already exploring how we, we could take the, the, the innovation that TSG had and, and basically tell more people about it. So I think where are we going over the next, let, let's say year to year and a half, that, I think that's reasonable timing for any business. We, we, we want to basically, and it's quite funny, a lot of people have told us we're, we're the best kept secret in Yorkshire. We want to get beyond the secret. 
<laughs> so uh, we want to tell the world that we, we you know we've got some amazing innovations that that plug certain critical clinical gaps and we can solve people's problems in those areas um, and if we can tell more of those people uh, and 90 percent of that messaging will be virtually uh, that will drive the business growth so I think over the next year and year and a half, I want to double the business in size, but I want to maximize how you can do that through this, the social media, the, the virtual marketing, all, all those channels that we now have available that, that really were unheard of 20 years ago when, when, when we started this. So definitely double the business. Um, I want to try and do it in a way that, you know, there's certain been, been times when we've been growing the business that it, it is absolutely been exhausting. You know, we've just, to, to grow, we had to grow. We just had to work hard. I mean, and and probably overworked at times. I think I'd like to grow in a way that that doesn't exhaust us. That we can plan it, we can implement it, and see the success w within a within a a good life balance, which I think is important. I'm, I don't quite have the energy I used to have when I was in my twenties, so I, I need to be far more pragmatic, especially with two young children taking more of my time these days. So um, there's got to be, we've got to be clever how we do this. Um, but I think if we're clever and we do the planning correctly and we message it correctly, we, we, we can make that succeed. It, it, it's funny because in your, your logo, you've got your, your dots and then your coloured dots. And I work with mindset a lot with you know, going back and, and joining the dots. So with your uh, lifestyle and your knowledge that you've gained along the way, sort of, would you think the pivotal dots actually join up and, and make a pathway? I, I think they can absolutely, um, and, and and I think to 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 get life balance correctly, you've got to join those dots because if you leave them in all in isolation, everything's got a bit of an overlap, isn't it? You know, I, I don't think you can get true success if, if life's unbalanced. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you spend too, if, you know, if you isolate yourself on one dot and that dot is is your work, then. I don't, don't know if that's success. If your other dot has got no connection to your work, which is your family, and your other dot is your your, your social life or what you, you do for yourself. I think to, to get it right, and, 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 you know, I don't have the answer to what, how it, how you do it, but they, they've all got, they've got to be something connecting those things together just, just to make it pull in the right direction. Um, so that it, it's a real balancing, isn't it? But to, trying to work, everything in complete isolation and not join them up. I'm not sure we'd get success by doing that, if, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, no, it's, it's quite logical. And I mean, and you spoke earlier on about mindset and about being like the elite services and their mindset and people that are top of the field and their mindset. Yeah. What would you say was the big one difference between that and people that are sort of still struggling to try and find that? Yeah. It's a good question. Um, the play, there's a few places I've been that, that are really, I mean, you would probably call them elite. Um, and there's a real can-do attitude. But the can-do attitude is not just, it's not maverick. It's backed up by a lot of thought and a lot of hard work um, and a lot of professionalism and only accepting high standards. Mm -hmm. Um and and I think if we go back to joining the dots, the 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 one thing I would say it stands out is that there is a we can do it. There's a high level of confidence that can be done, but that confidence is gained by these people because of the work they're putting in the background. Um, you know, it's you, they 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 understand the subjects, they they train 
correctly to, to achieve the tasks that they're doing. Um, but they believe they can do it. But they also, and I find this really interesting, they surround themselves with the right people who can make it happen as well. Because a very, very, and in fact, I can't think of any circumstances that as an individual, that is the, is, is, is the it's always a team that makes things happen from where I can see things. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a can-do attitude backed up with a higher level of hard work and professionalism, but also surrounding themselves with, you know, their, their, their direct colleagues or support systems that, that make them effective and give them that confidence. Uh, I think those are the, the key things to it. I think that's a great point because even thinking about your time in the jungle, if you were there completely on your own, it would have been a, a totally different experience to being there, knowing that you've got people around you or that you know, you know that somebody's coming for you in a few weeks. So that isolation, like in entrepreneurship, if you don't have that support around you, it becomes a very, very lonely place. Yeah, it's so important. And, you know, I would say any advice to anybody who, who wants to go into business or, or just achieve whatever they want in life is, is just make sure that the team you build around you, whether that's your family, whether that's, um, it could be a lecturer at college inputting into you, it, it, it could be your, your work colleagues, but whatever that team you surround with them with, make sure it's a positive team that's enhancing what you do. You know, I, 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 I can't, I don't think, the, the, the areas in life I think that's really pushed me on and, and inspired me is when you go into teams that are functional um, because you get real energy from, from functional teams. So pick the right team. Um, put, put people around you that are positive, who will take you, you know, who will support you, who will back you up, but also be critical when they have to be critical as well, but constructively. It's having those right people around you that, that will move you forward. But you've got to be careful in selecting them. Um, yeah, you, sometimes you get it right, sometimes you get it wrong. But I think if you bear that in mind, it, it, it won't, won't do any harm. No, I think that, that's a great point. So if you were to, you know, that young lad on the um, estate in Scotland, what piece of advice could you give where, to know where you are now to somebody being in that situation? Okay, so I was, I was having to think about that and, and what would it be was, and I've, I suppose I've broken it down into three short areas and maybe I've covered these already, but I, I think it's worth going over again. It's first of all, is try and find something you that you want to do that you enjoy or you're passionate about um, because you're just better at things you enjoy. <laughs> um, and, you know, you're a long time working and you know, hopefully you're quite a long time living. And if you're having a good time doing it, that that's not a bad thing it, it you know so you know get something that that really stimulates you and wants wants you to get involved in and that can be anything you know that depends on on what's going to ignite that individual once you've found that um except if you're going to get make any progress at all that there there is there is no way you can you, you can move forward without hard work and now that hard work's got to be well directed. It can't just be, you, you can't just work in the wrong direction, expect it to, mm -hmm. to happen. But once you find what you enjoy, work hard, but work hard intelligently. You know, make, make sure that hard work is efficient. Because you, you often hear with sports people, they've got all the talent, but they don't work. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I've heard it on many, to many, about many, you know, elites, you know, people, sportsmen who have made it, who haven't, they say, well, the combination is, is having that ability 
and that's often finding something they enjoy but they also work incredibly hard and it's when you put those two things together I think you get achievement mm-hmm. uh, so I think you have to accept that hard work is part of this yeah. um, and the third point and we've talked about this quite a lot is so make sure you put yourself around positive progressive people um, and you know relating to where you want to try and get to because those are the people who've got the experience those are people who are listening to you in, in the good and the bad times and if you respect their their advice you don't always have to take it but as long as you respect it and you respect their inputs that's only going to complement what you're already enjoying doing and it's going to complement your hard work and again it will help you make difficult decisions which will ultimately come along um, so yeah find something you enjoy except you're going to ha- have to work hard to do it to be successful and and put yourself in a positive group of people um, you get those three things um, I think you'll enjoy life, but I think you'll also got you give yourself the best fighting chance of success. Fabulous. That's really, really incredible information there. And the good thing about the podcast is you people can go back and listen and you can pause and you can take notes because there's been huge amount of, of wonderful golden nuggets there from Colin. And unfortunately, as I said, time is going to run out with us. So, uh, Colin... Please, it would be great to have you back at uh, another point and uh, we can talk more about your adventures in all sorts of places. But meantime, if, some, if somebody would like to get to know more about you or get, uh, see what you're doing, where can they get hold of you? Uh, probably the best place is the website. That That's the probably the source of most of the information, certainly from a, a company point of view, uh, which is tsgassociates.co.uk. Um Personally, I'm quite. Act- I don't don't do many of the social media areas. I am on Facebook, but I don't I, I don't spend a lot of time on it. But uh, LinkedIn is where probably most of my activity is at the moment. So if you you type in Colin Smart TSG Associates, you you see all all of the work on LinkedIn. Yeah, because I must admit, first of all, I, I googled Colin uh, Smart, and I've got a rugby player. I thought, well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're an well, actual man, but I don't think you play rugby. Not not international rugby anyway, although I, I, I did for about 30 years, but I was never that good. Uh, <laughs> so. so it's the, it's the other one. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, Colin, thank you so, so much for your Pleasure. time and being with us, and we really appreciate all your input. So uh, stay safe for now, and thank you for being with us. And, and likewise, Linda, thank you so much for your time, and, and again, thank you for inviting me. I've, I've really enjoyed it. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. And for today, that is it. And we've had a fantastic uh, information there from Colin. Please go back and listen to it again because there are so many pieces of information. It sounds quite simple, but if you really listen to what he's saying, there is uh, some huge golden nuggets there that you can take away and perhaps help you miss some of the rocks in the road as well and also we've got to say thank you to Elliot he's been our techie again today he gets very little uh, mentioned but he is there without him we wouldn't be doing this and so on behalf of uh, ourselves and uh, also broadcasting on behalf of Edley Devhem as well bye for now take care we'll be back with you next week thank you for listening This podcast was recorded in conjunction with the Chapel FM Art Centre and East Leeds FM radio station. For more information about them and all the good work that they do is www.elfm.co.uk. And to know more about what Linda Sage is doing, her website is www.lindasage.com. Also on all the other social medias.